This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show for your Thursday. Good to be with you today. Matt and Patrick, guest-free today, but you're more than welcome to call on in, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Uh, it is Give to the Max Day, so give, 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 give if you can. And, uh, yeah, that's it's. I, I've always been amazed at how many organizations make make some really good money today to help their causes. So uh, if you can give, please do. Uh, have you? Have you? Is there any give to the Maxings? Is there a Patrick fund out there that I need to worry about, Patrick? Yes, there is, and you should give a million dollars immediately. Million dollars. Let me just jot this down here, so I make sure I get this right. Uh, no way in hell, uh, Patrick. I gotcha. Look for my donation. Uh, I can't wait for that zero dollars. Oh well, you do. By the way, before anyone does go to the Give to the Max page and start searching for Patrick, producer Patrick. No, that just we're we're kind of joking. Go give money to the, the to these great organizations that are out there, uh, including some of the ones you're hearing here on AM 950. Help them out if you can. And uh, thank you very much. I'll say it because – and I know a lot of other people will say it too over the next few uh, days. So uh, thank you very much. 952-946-6205. So today was the grocery day. Also, Because I, I got back from New Orleans um, and – the all of a sudden, as we're like on the we're on Sun Country, we're flying back from New Orleans, and I'm I'm I said, am I crazy? Is our week from Thursday Thanksgiving? Our week from Thursday Thanksgiving? And she goes, my wife goes, oh yeah. I'm like, oh god. So I I've, I've, I'm having to piece together. I got got the standard menu this year. Uh, the main thing that we get variants on nowadays is the stuffing. So this year I'm doing a wild rice cranberry uh, sausage stuffing. So that uh, we'll have to. I'm not done cranberries and salt and stuffing. We'll have to see how that goes. Uh, turkey set, brine set. Um, I'm trying to get Terry Zeal on the air with us on Monday to talk Thanksgiving stuff. Um, I've got uh, mashed potatoes set, green bean casserole set. Uh, all these things. I'm going to give you some head and a heads up. This is just what I've noticed. Not saying it's universal. Not saying it's everywhere. But there's always one or two things which I'm always shocked are just not available. At a grocery store. Now you can say, well, in, you know, at some of the you know kind of the higher end grocery stores or in the the wealthier suburbs, it's probably not nearly the problem. But here's what I noticed. So first of all, green bean casserole. All right, I you just need cut frozen green beans, right? That's that's how I do it. I mean, sure, okay, Emerald, you can go get the fresh green beans and sit there and and and. Work in your kitchen nook. No, I do frozen. It tastes good. It's it's fantastic. Try it that way. Uh, so I do green bean casserole. 
frozen green beans, cut green beans, they're hard to find this time of year. And I'm watching this guy. Now, I go grocery shopping. Here's Matt's little tip. Go grocery shopping early in the day because they pretty much have restocked. They have whatever they have out. And I'm I'm looking at the freezer section, and I'm like, where are the cut green beans? So I ended up getting like six packs of the small packs because they didn't have any big packs. And the guy's putting peas in there. I'm like, dude, you're not gonna you're not fooling anyone with all the peas. I'm just you're not fooling anyone. You need the green beans. And he said, well, we have them. And it was the French Julian cut. What kind of what? No, no. Just a fine cut green bean, please. Thank you very much. Here's the one where I actually got concerned for a second. Turkey stock. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean you guys don't? I mean, this is the time of year. Usually you have more turkey stock. It's the only time of year you ever have turkey stock in. It, it, there's always a ton of it. What, where, what do you mean? And, yeah, it is. <laughs> I, had to go to, I had to go to three stores to find turkey stock today because uh, I need that. I do need that. I had um, – I didn't have a problem with pecans this year. Pecans was a tr- trouble for like two years in a row, but I didn't have problems with this year with pecans. Sage, just the spice sage, that's tough. That's a toughie. You go on out there, you, you try to find rub sage. In a lot of places it's out. And no, there's really no substitute for it. Um, here's the other one today, butternut squash. And so I went, I, I went to one store, no butternut squash, none. Went to my second store, they did have them. I bought the last two. So, and that was early this morning. I can only imagine that there's going to be some weeping grandmas today. And I'm sorry, I got their first grandma. So, just FYI, keep, you know, as we get into this, uh, no problem with turkeys. Remember last year was turkeys or was the, 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 the thing with turkeys? No problem with turkeys. I saw tons of those. Saw tons of aluminum pans. Um, yeah, that, that that seemed to be about the main problems. There, no problems, no another, no other quirky things that were out. But yeah, you know, just you know, keep in mind if you have a very specific grocery list, or if you're doing most of the meal yourself, and you have a very specific grocery list. It might take you two stores, two or three stores, to find what you need. If you're only looking for one thing, I'll tell you what that actually would have upset me more. Say I was only doing like green bean casserole and I had to go to one store to get the green beans, one store to get the cream of mushroom soup, and one store to get the, the fried onions. I would have been miffed. I would have been, that's a lot of work for one side dish. So good luck with that. Once again, Thanksgiving next week. I'll keep you updated on how things are going. Right now, I'm just glad I got everything into a freezer or a fridge at my house. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. As I usually do when I come back from a trip, I usually take a few minutes to talk about, you know, for a few days at least, talk about some things I noticed. And there is, there is something that I've talked about before, particularly when I was out in Portland, Oregon, and I was in Vegas. And I saw it in New Orleans as well. And it, it, there, there are kind of – there's the modern conservative mentality towards homelessness. And that is criminalize it. Throw them in jail. I don't know why. I mean it, it's it, – it, the homeless population I – and mean, clearly there's there's people who have had a lot of bad things go on. 
Uh, there's addiction issues. There's a lot. A lot of times, there's mental health issues. <sighs> These are not people. I, I mean, I, I have a hard time. As much as some conservatives like to insist, I have a hard time believing that. There are a lot of these people who are desiring to be in the situation that they are in. I think that it's thrust upon them. So to criminalize it is almost it is it is it's it's salt in the wound per se, and you know it's 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 that wealthy white you know I didn't have a mommy and daddy put me in a private school. I didn't have any problems when dad gave me a job at the company and then gave me a massive inheritance. <laughs> Why don't you get your massive inheritance? You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> oh, a Dyna guy. I've missed you. I'll have more on a Dyna guy before too long. Um, yes. But uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. And and you know all it does is I don't think you solve the problem. As a matter of fact, all I think you do is you you spread the problem out even further, or you you just homeless people get better at hiding. And it doesn't do us any good as a society to have people who are you know living in the margins in you know that are that are you know out there basically you know having to evade police. I think I think police have better things to do. I think there's a better far better use of our funds that sort of thing. I went to Portland a few years ago and I talked about how Portland has basically decriminalized homelessness, that basically you can be homeless. And the rule is is this. As long as you're not bothering anyone, you're fine. As long as you're not panhandling or, or you know attacking someone, no one's going to care. And on one side of it, I think that they say to themselves, see what we're, we're not, we're not criminalizing this behavior. Aren't we good people? But there came an other side of this. And it, it, it really started to affect me when I was in Portland and I was down, um, uh, in the main square and, uh, right up by the river there. And the, this kid, this guy comes over, pulls up, this homeless guy comes over, pulls up a, a storm sewer grate out of the street, jumps down in the storm sewer. Now it hadn't been raining. It had been dry. Um, he pulls up the storm sewer, proceeds to scoop out handfuls and handfuls of debris that's in the sewer, put them up there, proceeds to like an archaeological dig, go through them and pull out all the cigarettes or cigarette butts that were there, checking to see what was there, then left the piles of debris on the street, put the grape back. He knew enough that if he didn't put the grape back, he'd get into trouble, put the grape back and walked away. And I said, okay, is 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 that really what the whole point is? And I'm and I and I kept looking around and I was like, okay, this this doesn't seem like a good idea, does it? And that's when it dawned on me in Portland particularly, is that what you've done is you haven't solved homelessness. You've basically just given yourself the ability to say, see, there's not a problem. We let them sleep anywhere. And that's not solving the problem. And as a matter of fact, you actually, to a point, almost perpetuate the problem because the, these people who do need help are not getting the help they need because, oh, they're just – they're fine. We're not going to prosecute them. They can sleep on the streets. Really? Some of them, you know, once again, addiction issues. Um, you know, there's sanitary issues. There's mental health issues. 
that it just it clearly came to me to be one of those cases where this was more about giving yourself a caveat so you didn't have to care. So you didn't have to say we need to look out for our fellow man. Oh, we're we're, we're good here. And don't get me wrong, there there is a lot of there's a lot of agencies in Portland there to try to help. But there seemed to be just as much homelessness there. It, it, their, their solution didn't solve or create any solution for homelessness. It just basically tolerated it. And there came issues with that. I talked about in Vegas when I was out there a year and a half ago that in Vegas that you had the same thing, that you have you know, you know, homelessness there. And I've had some interesting cases. I used to – when I was a marketing manager, I used to go out to Vegas on a regular basis and – you know, you get off the main strip, and it it is really wild how some areas of, how how bad some areas of Vegas are, and all you can do is say I mean, this is not working. And once again, it's a we don't want to criminalize this, and that's fine. But are you doing anything when you just say, okay, they're fine there? Not really. And now I went to New Orleans, and New Orleans. Just like the other two. We got up on the first day, which was last Friday, and walked down to Cafe du Monde to go get some beignets. And we walked we walked down across Bourbon Street. Uh, I think we were in Toulouse. And we got down, eventually got down to, to Jackson Square. And that's uh, – Cafe du Monde is right across the street from Jackson Square. And so we, we went down there. I think in that, that – Six, seven block walk, we walked past 14, 15 homeless people just sleeping on the street. And granted, I, I've talked about the fact that this is this is New Orleans and Bourbon Street. This is there is definitely a chronic alcohol, alcoholism problem in that city. I mean, there is a clearly a chronic alcoholism problem in that city. As a matter of fact, I'd say worse than Portland, worse than Vegas, not even close. There is a chronic alcoholism problem in New Orleans. And, you know, it's it because and, and I think part of that is fueled by drunk people who will see a drunk another person who's homeless and drunk and say, I gotta give them five dollars. And that five dollars can get you two hurricanes and get you sloshed. And that's where they do. And they end up just, you know, they'll grab a cardboard box and wrap themselves up and right there on the street. And what's really interesting is that some of these areas are some of these streets there are not necessarily like Bourbon Street where it's all bars and restaurants, but it's more high-end shops. And, you know, you would walk down the street and here are people going into these high-end shops last Friday where they're clearly doing like, you know, you know, uh, you know, kind of style things. You know, they're going to look for lamps or antiques or clothing or art. And they're they're very well dressed and they're going this and they're walking right past these homeless people who, you know, clearly have not had a good good few years and you know they just you know walk right past it and i say once again here it is here's the problem tolerating it decriminalizing it doesn't solve the problem if the goal i think the goal should be to get the homeless people into a home get them into some sort of shelter get them into some sort of place and i understand that that's difficult and i will point to and this is one of those things like i said this is this is more of a liberal progressive mentality of this. We're not going to criminalize it. That's great. I agree with that wholeheartedly. But is the point to solve the problem or the point to basically pat yourself on the back and say we don't have to do anything else because we're no longer criminalizing this? And I think there's a lot of that. I'll point to conservative Utah 
which in Salt Lake City particularly, they basically started giving homeless people small individual houses. And it's worked amazing to get homelessness down in the, in the streets of St. Louis, Salt Lake City. It has been an amazing project, and it is, it's, it's done wonders. The problem here is that you don't have a lot of people that want to invest something like that in something like that. That if you're going to build some miniature houses for homeless people, that's probably on a lot that you can build a 300-unit apartment complex where the starting rent is $3,000 a month. So you, you don't have – you're fighting that argument too. And no, for a lot of people, getting chucked into a shelter where it's not safe and there, and there are it, – it's, it's just a, a, a warehouse for the homeless, that's not a solution either. <laughs> we still have a massive problem with homelessness in this country. And the criminalization of homelessness is not the right answer. But nor is this idea of we're just going to allow it to happen and we wash our hands of it. We still need to get these people help. And I understand, especially if we're dealing with addiction issues or mental health issues, that's not easy. Some people are out there because of their addiction would rather live on a street for multiple reasons than basically try to get help. Mental health reasons, that's, that, that, that's, it's, there's so many different in, individual issues there that, are, that need to be addressed. That you, it, there's no cookie-cutter solution there. But I think this is my third city I've gone to. And if, if people want to think homelessness, I mean, there is homelessness in Minneapolis, and that is indeed a tragedy. It is Portland, Las Vegas, New Orleans. I don't think you're doing anyone any favors by basically saying we're going to allow it and just shrug your shoulders at it. And and I think that it, it's it's not helping the least of us. And there, that is, that's part of it. I mean, part of this is my, I mean, is this the best we can do? Because clearly it's not. Clearly it's not. So if you wanted to criminalize it, fine. What's your next step? And maybe, just maybe, we should look at Salt Lake City at what they did and start taking more initiatives there because that seems to have worked, at least to a point. 952-946-6205, uh, Something I want to just be careful of because I'm, I'm going to touch on this when I do return. It's just something that's set off a little bit of an alarm bell in the back of my head, and I want to talk about that. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. The progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Victory. Uh, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. A few years ago, I have a friend of mine who um, has worked with a political advising group and has worked with conservatives as well as some Democrats, but mostly conservatives. And a few years back after the 2020 election, he he brought up the point. It's like, boy, uh, is uh, there are a lot of people in the Republican Party who are really scared of Generation Z. And I said, why? He said, they're not breaking towards Republicans at all. As a matter of fact, they are they are quite the opposite. They are like they are kind of like how the baby boomers have been, you know, loyal to a fault to the Republicans. The Generation Z so far has not been 
able to be convinced to vote Republican. And I, I remember asking him, so, well, what's going to be the game plan? He said, I guarantee, he goes, it's going to be one of two things. They'll try to get them to come over to their side. But if they can't, the last thing they can afford is to have them be a solid Democratic base. So my guess is eventually we will see the Republicans in kind of their dirty tricks machine try to push them further to the left. That the Democrats have failed you. The Democrats are the problem. You need to go find the socialists, the Green Party. They're the real solution, that sort of thing. And I thought that was interesting. This is two years ago, and I, and I thought that was an interesting thing because that does – the Republicans, they're evil at times. They are downright evil at times, but they know how to fix the system. How about I say it like that? They know how to fix the system shockingly well. So that was, you know, two years ago. That Since then, it's only gotten worse for the Republicans to the point where they've openly started to argue that we, we should not allow people under the age of 30 to vote in this country. I mean, do they really know what they're doing? Unless they come from red areas because, I mean, that, that, they're wholesome Americans. They can vote, but not everyone else. And, yeah. It's it's kind of one of those things where they they still have yet to crack the Generation Z nut, per se. There was something that happened yesterday. Now, I'll touch briefly on what this protest was about, just but briefly here. Um, but I, and let me predicate it here. It's like, I, I mean, I think most people – at this point, want to see a bit of a ceasefire from Israel in Palestine in the Gaza Strip. What happened to Israel at the hands of Hamas is unforgivable and truly was a horrible terrorist attack slaughtering Israeli civilians. It was horrible. As John Oliver on Last Week Tonight last week put out, Considering Hamas – now, he said – he just basically – he pointed out Hamas within the Gaza Strip is actually fairly unpopular with the Palestinians. The Palestinians do not like Hamas. And the implication I took from that – he didn't say this, but at least this is kind of how I, I speculated out – is that I'm wondering if Hamas did this not knowing that they're not going to be able to necessarily – you know, control the Palestinians, but looking for help from outside countries. See, we did this, and now they're looking for the Israeli or the Iranians or the Saudis or someone else to to bankroll them, give them stuff. What are the case? Russians, whatever the case may be. And clearly, they did actually. I mean, I think you can understand I mean, to pull off what they did. There had to be some level of. There definitely had to be some level of coordination. With another country that they someone helped them out with in Israeli intelligence, that's for sure. I think we can say that Israel has proved their point, um, that they have definitely, um, you know, there are thousands of dead people in uh, the Gaza Strip. Not all of them by any means are Hamas, uh, as much as Republicans like to insist that all Palestinians are Hamas, that's just not true. That's just not even close to being true. Um, but there are dead Hamas and there's a lot of dead Palestinians. And the Israelis have proven that they can at will force their way onto another country. Um, 
I, I, I'm like a lot of people. I'm hoping that there is a ceasefire because obviously the demand for, for, for humanitarian aid to the people who are not Hamas in the Gaza Strip needs to happen. At the same time, I'll also say this is Israel. There's a lot of hostages still being held by Hamas. And, you, you know, it's I'm 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 hoping, you know, I'm, I'm not going to have any problem if Israel keeps trying to find them and hopefully can locate them and get them out of there. That's I, I'm 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 one. I think we're all I mean, we all I think can understand that people have been kidnapped from their house being held under gun by by terrorists. You know, yes, if we can find them and get them home, that's a good thing. I think we all agree on that. So, you know, it's as as we've said from the get go, this is a far it's a far more layered, complicated issue. So far, Biden has gone along with with uh, with Israel's response to Hamas, um, but he has well, and the White House has actually called for more ceasefires. And and kind of is is using their diplomatic channels now to try to get more of a ceasefire. It sounds that's a, I think that's a safe way to say it. Now, I don't necessarily want to. I mean, it, it, because this is a thick, complicated issue, and it has a tendency of getting hijacked by people with an agenda. I, I'm not going to. I don't want to necessarily talk much more about that specifically. But I want to talk about one protest that happened in conjunction with this. I'll tell you what. I'm just looking at the clock right now. Let me take a break. I'll come on back and I'll break this down because I'm uh, – from two years ago, that Republican friend of mine – or the friend of mine who works for a political consulting group who's worked with Republicans, what he said two years ago is starting to kind of – the hairs on the back of my neck are starting to twinge a little bit. And I just want it to be something that we, we – I want to make sure we understand Republicans are going to try everything in their power to stay in power. And that is something we need to remember. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. So recapping here just briefly, I have – yeah, I think we can. There, there, there is a friend of mine that works in politics and has worked with conservative groups, and he said, "If the he said to me two years ago, if Republicans can't get Generation Z to start flipping towards them, that that what they'll do is then their next goal is to get them to where at least they're not voting for the Democrats, and they'll start pushing them, trying to push them to the further to the left because they've got it. If Generation Z starts showing up in numbers like they have been, the Republicans are not looking like taking control of anything anytime soon." And right now they they they're let's face it they are they've already been able to grab the brass ring a little bit even with such a minority of the population on their side and they don't when when minorities start getting power they do not like giving it up in regards to minority political parties that when minority when minority political points of view minority political parties uh when the, when the fringe vote suddenly gets put into charge they do not like getting it up and and this is going to go back to one of the things i've talked about israel one of the things about israel is netanyahu to get this leadership position had to make deals with the extreme far right of israeli politics and these are people that generally have not gotten any political power and they're not wanting to give it up that's kind of the mentality. So that's kind of the issue that we're dealing with here, that, that you, you, you've got to be careful. The Republicans don't want to lose their power, even though they're 
a minority of the population. So they've got to find a way to turn Generation Z off voting for Democrats. Now, once again, completely separate. Police evacuated the DNC, the Democratic National Committee headquarters in Washington, D.C., after a pro-Palestinian group's erupted, a protest erupted in front of the building on Wednesday evening. Members of the progressive groups, if not now, Jewish Voice for Peace Agenda and the Democratic Socialists of America gathered with others outside, with others outside the headquarters for a vigil calling for a ceasefire in the Israeli-Hamas war, which is raised, for more than, raised on for more than a month. Um, members of uh, the, uh, the um, U.S. Capitol Police said uh, on Twitter that a crowd of approximately 150 people, not a lot of people, 150 people, were illegally and violently protesting in front of the headquarters in Washington – on Wednesday, officers evacuated members from the DNC of the building. Protesters were cleared out of the air by 10 p.m. All right. Now, let's make sure once again I get out my points here. One, right to protest. You have that. Fine. That's that you do. As long as you're not violently doing it. And these people seemed a little bit more intense. It's not as stupid as trying to glue your hand to the floor of the Target Center. But, you know, hey, it's what you're going to do. Or throwing paint on a priceless masterpiece. <sighs> To, promote, to protest spilling, in that case, oil, but no problem with paint, apparently. But, yeah, okay, you get my point. You want to protest? That's fine. This was a very coordinated, organized protest there. And, and once again, I'm for a ceasefire. I, I think Israel has proved its point. I think Israel has the right to basically try to track down where they, the kidnapped Israeli civilians are, by all means, but... I I don't know if launching more missiles into Gaza is necessarily something they have to do any more of. I think they've proven their point, and they're going to take a good chunk of the Gaza Strip as a as a um, a, a bit of a trophy on this one. So it's where they were protesting, and the organization of the protesting that somewhat surprised me. Now. Once again, I don't have any problem with protesting, and once again, I agree with the idea of a ceasefire. But the DNC, the place where there's far more people in that building that agree with you than disagree with you, that's where you're going to protest? Not the RNC, where they're talking about, you know, kill all Palestinians. That's the Republican Party. That's the RNC. They're talking about killing all Palestinians, and it's justified. You're going to the DNC, where, once again, I think a majority of the people in that building agree with you. And you're also not going to the Israeli embassy, where that's where you could have a protest over there, where the embassy where the people are, that the government is actually fulfilling the campaign against the, the Gaza Strip. You could go protest there. But you're not there. You're not at the RNC. You're at the DNC. And you're, if someone comes up and says, well, but Matt, the, the president's Democrat. Oh, I don't know if you're aware. There's the White House is right there in D.C. You could go. Once again, you're protesting in a building where I'm going to guess a majority of the people agree that a ceasefire is a good idea at this point. So you're basically protesting in a place of, of those four things I'd mentioned per se. The DNC is probably the most friendly territory for you. Then probably the White House, then probably the RNC, and then probably, the, to, at least to your argument, the Israeli embassy. That would be your, your choice. 
But no, you went to the DNC and protested there because they're the problem. A political party in the United States who is not attacking the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip right now. That's where you're, you're focusing your attention. That doesn't seem random. It just doesn't. And once again, you want to protest Biden, sure, go to the White House. You know, and, and you can go protest over there. You know, to a point, it's <laughs> it'd be like protesting a freaking Arby's. I, mean, I, I don't know what the in, every individual manager of every Arby's thought process is on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, but I'm probably going to get some people are for it, uh, for Israel, and some people are for Palestine. I'm going to get it. So it'd be like you going over and randomly finding an Arby's and protesting there and saying, see, we're making a difference. No, you're not. And like I said, out of the four places I suggested, you could go to the DNC, the RNC, the White House, or the Israeli embassy. The one that seems to be giving you the least bit of traction is the DNC. Also, I'm not saying that every once in a while some of these fringe groups can pull together a well-coordinated event. But when I watch the footage of that protest. That was a little more polished than just happening at the moment. Now, once again, I'm going to lay out a few thought processes here. This could be nothing more than left-leaning groups doing what progressives and Democrats have done for years. They look across the room, they see the Republicans, they see the right wing, they see the more conservative side of this world, and they say to themselves, boy, they're big and scary. Hey, I'm sitting next to this person I agree with 90% of the time. I'm going to punch them instead. It could easily be that. It could. I'm not saying – I don't know what's going on here. I've got some red flags starting to fly, though. In regards to this protest in particular, the fact that it was targeting the DNC, which doesn't make a lot of sense. But this could just be left-leaning groups who are just too scared to go and take on the people they should be taking on, punching the guy sitting next to them and acting like they've done something good. It happens all the time. It does happen a lot with progressives. It could easily be, you know, one of those groups that was mentioned is the Democratic Socialists of America. You know, I, this might be what they feel or it could be, you know, you know there, there are political parties on the further side of the left. They're not very well organized. About the best organized of them is the Green Party, especially now that the legalized marijuana party is pretty much non-existent, at least here in Minnesota. Um, the legalized marijuana was generally a more progressive party, and it was, it was a one-issue, it was a one-trick pony. And Republicans were using that to try to, you know, run, you know, third-party spoiler candidates. And so now that's done. So you do have, you know, groups that are out there. But they're horribly poorly organized. And I don't want to say it, – it, it, well, let's put it together. Sure, there might – you know, the, the, the Democratic Socialists might have a few – you know, city council seats in a handful of cities. They might have one or two house seats in an incredibly liberal state in the most liberal district in the state. They might have it. I don't, I mean, they they might have a, a county commissioner here or there, but 
they're generally not running, at least not with any traction, candidates for, say, governor or Senate or House or anything like that. I generally not saying that they're not on the ballot, but they just they don't get any traction. That's another reason why this is it's not shown me over the years there's a tremendous amount of organization here. That's why that there's another red flag about this protest. Now it could be them saying, okay, well now we might have an opportunity we might be able to use this this conflict between Israel and and the in Hamas to basically, you know, convince people to move to our side could be that could easily be. But going back to what I was told two years ago, would I be surprised in any capacity if Republicans had infiltrated these groups and are the ones you know who we we we, we you know someone at the group is saying you know what let's go let's go let's go protest the Israeli the uh, embassy oh no 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 we don't want to go do that. Uh, we need to go protest the Democratic Party headquarters. Yeah! Why? We, well, because they're not doing what we want them to do. Okay. Um, once again, probably more people in that building agree with you than disagree with you, so I don't know exactly what you're doing. But it, it's there definitely seems to be this element that has arisen in the last month and a half in this country – where it's trying to put forward this idea that the problem isn't the Republicans who are like, kill all Palestinians. I mean, not all of them, by no means. Not all, all Republicans are saying that, but there are some. It's not the Israelis who are actually, you know, retaliating against Hamas fairly aggressively, but it's not them. It's the Democrats. And I think we need to step back for a second and realize that that this, you know, the Republicans, if they can't win over Generation Z, they will do anything in their power to basically prevent them from voting Democrat. Now, I would hope Generation Z, and, and frankly, I think Generation Z is just tired of her crap. And I don't think most people in Generation Z are looking to, uh, you know, are, are are looking to basically jump on a political movement which is not going to win a damn thing but might cost them the the, the left everything. I don't know if you guys on uh, on the progressive side, I don't know if you guys are aware of what they're saying they want to do on the Republican side, but concentration camps, rounding up the vermin, never leaving office again, yeah, totalitarian dictatorship. So – Frankly, don't get me wrong. You want to be progressive, you want to be that, fine. But there should come a moment where you say to yourself, if I screw this up for the Democrats, I could end up in a concentration camp. And sure, I get it. You'll be smug as the day is long as you're locked into one of these concentration camps the Republicans are talking about, saying, if you would have voted the way I wanted you to vote, we wouldn't be here. Hmm. Yeah, but funny story, you're all there. And it doesn't do you a lot of good to, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda after the fact that the evil dictator has taken control. You can't do that. So is it a case where progressives are just too afraid to go out and confront the real problem and so they're punching the guy sitting next to them? 
easily could be that. Could it be these usually fairly unorganized, left-leaning, extreme far-left political groups who generally haven't shown much organization? Could they have finally gotten their act together once or twice? Maybe. But could it also be Republicans infiltrating these far-leftist groups to basically try to drive a wedge between Generation Z and the Democrats by saying they're not progressive enough, ignoring the fact that the Republicans are the ones who are basically saying, you know, wipe the Gaza Strip clean, no questions asked. Could it be that? Damn right it could be that. For goodness sakes, didn't Minneapolis police get caught trying to infiltrate Black Lives Matter? Yeah. So I think we need to, considering, once again, you on a right to protest? Fine. I, I agree with you. I think there should be a ceasefire in the Gaza Strip. Absolutely. But when you start att- going after the DNC, that's your great white whale. Eh, something's going on there. That doesn't just add up. And I think the best weapon against that is point to the Republicans and tell whenever you talk to a Democrat or Generation Z or anything like that, it's like you might not be happy with the Democrats completely. Heck, I'm not happy with the Democrats completely, but that guy over there, wants to start rounding people up and putting them into concentration camps. And that means you and that means me. And you can sit there all day long and, and, and try to be smug about how your, you know, your protest vote or lack of vote made a difference. But we are literally looking on the teetering edge of democracy right now. And for God's sakes, if people don't vote Democrat, guess what? It is going to go badly. Can these organizations, can these far-left groups, can they get organized? Can they make a difference eventually? Sure. 2024, it's Democrat or Republican. That's it. In 2024, it's Democrats or Republicans. That's it. So, and one side's already talked about concentration camps. That's not me making that up. That's their official policy. Rounding up the vermin. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Be on the lookout. I'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. David is in San Francisco, California. Wanted to chime in today. Hi, David. Well, thanks, Matt. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you're raising this issue because, uh, you know, out here, San Francisco's had a lot of protests for years. and uh, There have always been these mysterious people that will work their way into your group and then uh, bust a window or do something and get everybody uh, hurt. So, uh, he's hearing about what happened at the DNC headquarters. I smell a rat right away with that. But um, I, 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 you do guests once in a while. I wonder, you know, there's that organization called Jewish Voices for Peace. Yes. Yeah, I wonder if you could get somebody on there to validate 
Uh, back in 2019, Netanyahu started, uh, he's, he's caught in a speech uh, talking about supporting Hamas because uh, Israel, and specifically the Zionists, uh, who are very different than uh, the average Jew, uh, that the Zionists don't want to negotiate with the Palestinians. Well, and so David, me- David, if I could step in here, and thanks, David, I appreciate the phone call. Um, what I'm going to advise everyone to do here is go watch John Oliver's Last Week Tonight from last week. Because what he does is, I mean, because, in, and David was going down the exact road, and I mean, and frankly, John Oliver can tell you better just as far as just a historical, not a long-term historic, he talks about it, he goes, I could talk about thousands of years, I'm not going to do that, he's just going to talk about the recent years and how we got to this point. And he talks about how it, it what what's I thought was fascinating about what Oliver brought up was he, first of all he brought up the fact that something that we just don't you know, there are two things that we just don't want to understand about the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip the vast majority of the Palestinians do not like Hamas they do not and they're not Hamas and that is that is that's something that in this country we just don't see covered in the news media that's a massive failure by the news because they're it's a foreign country what do i need to know okay good enough we'll just go with that no the vast majority of people in pa- uh, palestinians are not hamas and once again going back to the numbers he was saying they are wild hamas is actually wildly unpopular within the palestinian population yes they won a election. If you watch John Oliver, he talks about, he goes back to that election and how Hamas really portrayed themselves as something other than what they were to basically win an election barely and then basically get rid of any, any, you know, opposing viewpoint. But it also talks about how Netanyahu overall is not very popular within Israel, especially since to get his coalition government He's had to embrace, as he was talking about, those that far-right extreme of the Israeli politics. And that it's, you know, it's, you know, where we can, like I said, this issue is so deeply complicated and so hard. But at the very least, I think we could all step back for one second and say a ceasefire would be a good idea. Once again, what Hamas did to Israel is unforgivable, a terrorist attack. And if you're one of these people that are just these ignorant fools that say, it was just right. No, it wasn't. Not even close. That'd be like saying that the guy that shot up the Las Vegas Strip was somehow justified. No, he. there was a terrorist strike. That was not justified. Israel has proven their point. They they can always retaliate much harder. They are, they've been targeting specifically civilian groups and not really caring that much about it. You know, Hamas basically hides themselves within civilian population in in refugee camps and in hospitals, which is horrible that they would do that. Israel plays into their hands by basically attacking those areas. I don't know. There is no good answer how to get out of this outside of a ceasefire would not be the worst idea because the majority of these Palestinians are not Hamas and they are getting really hurt here. At the same time, I will say this about Israel. They have the right to go back. If they have wind on where those hostages are at, by all means, go get them. Hopefully safe. Hopefully safe. We'll take a break. Hour two is coming up next. 
Hour number two of the show here on your Thursday. Good to be with you, Matt and Patrick here today at 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Patrick, the monstrosity that is the Kmart on Lake Street has been finally, it is gone. You can see the downtown from Lake Street again. I saw that. Yes, Ugh. it is gone. The dumbest, one of the dumbest things they could ever do. And by the way, do you know that they tore down a the was it the old Miller's original park that was down there? Nicollet Park was down, or not the original? The original park was over where Butler Square is right now. That gives you an idea how long that went back. Uh, but they apparently had their park down there on on, on Nicollet and Lake, and they used to play games down there back when Lake Street was kind of the equivalent of four ninety four back then. And yeah, that's they they got rid of that. They got this, and then they hey let's hey while we're at it, let's get rid of Nicollet Avenue here. <laughs> Stupidest. Do you think they'll still be able to use the bridge, or they're going to have to take out that bridge now? That's you know the one that's behind it that ran right into the wall like a wily coyote behind that Kmart. Oh, I have to think about that. I'm gonna. Well, they used to build those things with concrete and steel, so that thing could probably still survive. But I'm going to probably presume they're going to tear the whole thing out just to start over from scratch. But mm, boy, I bet it smells great there, too, by the way. Mmm, yum. Uh, how about a positive palate cleanser of a story? Have you seen any of the photos of that baby giraffe with its mama? It's adorable. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like sickly sweet. Like you're, you feel like your heart kind of trembling. It is so cute. They have given it a name. Voters have picked the name of Ivy for the new baby giraffe at Coma Park Zoo and Conservatory from a list of three flowery choices. The zoo had asked the public to weigh in on the name of the new arrival. 17,000 people did. Ivy was the choice of about 45% of the people. Dahlia was in second place. Ivy is a great name. That is a cute giraffe. And it just it, it's it's one of the most... I don't know if they just got better photographers or what, but that 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 giraffe is just adorable, adorable. And speaking of people who used to be giraffes, George Santos, uh, oh, he was he was he was majestic on the Serengeti when he used to run out there. Um, the liar that is George Santos is in trouble, and he is not seeking re-election. On Thursday, he will not seek re-election. After a House watchdog found substantial evidence that he's committed fraud, violated ethic rules, and illegally used campaign funds for personal purposes. This scathing report, and this is this report is apparently pretty rough, uh, released earlier that day by the House Ethics Committee, details what it describes as a complex web of unlawful activity involving Re- Representative Santos' campaign, personal, and business finances. Seemed like such a nice guy. I, I, you know, hey, his volleyball days. You know, who could forget the giraffe out there on the field? Um, the months-long investigation revealed that the representative George Santos cannot be trusted. The report states at nearly every opportunity he placed his desires for pers- private gain above his duty to uphold the Constitution, federal law, and ethical principles. The Ethics Committee referred its findings to the Department of Justice. Meanwhile, members of Congress are moving to expel Santos from his seat. In a statement on Thursday, Santos denounced the report as biased, said the committee, went to extraordinary lengths to smear myself and my legal team. Yeah, everybody. You're, 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 it's, you're doing the Trump. It's everybody's wrong. Everybody's lying. I'm the only one that's honest. I will remain steadfast in fighting for my rights and for blah, blah, blah. blah. Needless to say, he's, he's – well, I mean, here's the deal. Will they get rid of him? Reminder, when they had the vote to expel him, that a lot of Democrats voted to not until there was an actual 
investigation. Well, now we got an investigation. Will they expel him, though? I I don't know. I you know I will say this. The Democratic Party of New York. I still don't know if they're going to be able to pick that seat up. They should. I mean, it should be a slam dunk. If it was any pretty much any other state, the Democrats would win that seat hands down. But as badly as the New York Democratic Party has been run, I'm not sure if they're going to win that seat. They really have some problems over there. So we'll have to see. If It would be filled by – or would they have special election? They have a special election maybe? I don't know if they would or not. Would they have enough time? Maybe they won. Anyway, they'll they'll figure it out. But I, I'm I highly doubt, still highly doubt the Republicans would get rid of them because that's one less vote they have to get you know to the other side. So nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine four six six two zero five is the phone number. Top Minnesota Democrats and abortion rights advocates aren't sold on whether or how to put an abortion question to voters next year. This is a report from Axios. Democrats in swing states across the country are moving to put abortion rights measures on 2024 ballots, and recent results in Ohio, Kentucky, and Virginia showed the electoral staying power of the issue. Leaders of the Minnesota DFL majority legislators say they need more discussion and polling before they decide what? Whether they pass a constitutional amendment measure which would put the question to voters as soon as November. While access to abortion is already protected via Minnesota Supreme Court ruling, and a new state law, a constitutional amendment could add an additional layer of security. All right. I think you do it. Some also argue could burst turnout help President Biden and down-ballot candidates in 2024. House Speaker Melissa Hortman told Axios that the idea is the mix when we talk about uh, 2024. And they said they haven't heard clearly from voters on the uh, or from caucuses here in the state capitol and the next thing we should do, spokesperson for the Senate Majority Leader Kerry Dietzik told Axios the Minnesota Democrats uh, shares Hortman's view. Constitutional amendment campaigns are expensive. Some Democrats believe the money could be better spent on candidate races, especially with political control, the narrowly divided state house up for grabs next year. Uh, the regional chapter of Planned Parenthood cited the cost of the statement that called an amendment one of the several options is continually considering to strengthen protections. Constitutional amendments are serious and expensive undertakings must be initiated after due diligence, Tim Stanley, executive director of the Planned Parenthood, Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota Action Fund, told Axios. Because such measures must be approved by a majority of those voting in the election, not just on their question, supporters of the face the extra challenge of reminding voters to read and vote all the way through the ballot. Hortman, other top Democrats have uh, argued that the constitutional amendment isn't necessary to make abortion front and center next year. Regardless whether it's not or not it's ballot amendment, it will also be the ballot issue that's going to be driving the election of 2024, said DFL party chair Ken Martin. There was also a separate Democratic push to put an equal rights amendment in front of the voters. Some members want to add explicit reproductive care protections into that language. DFL representative uh, Kali Hare, uh, an ERA co-sponsor, said, uh, that it would be premature to comment given ongoing discussions, but said codifying a person's when the university's right to have their own reproductive decision is top in mind for the ERA supporters. Elected Republicans overwhelmingly opposed the abortion protections passed last year, arguing that they went too far by allowing the procedure at any point in the pregnancy with virtually no restrictions. 
But 2022 gubernatorial nominee Scott Jensen has since argued that the amendment is a good idea for the GOP because it would take the issue off the table in future elections and legislative sessions. The legislator reconvenes in February. If Democrats do pursue the amendment, Hortman said it would be prudent to pass it early enough to allow the campaign to get going. Uh, They could also choose to put it on the ballot in 2026 instead. So it is – it's that last point about Jensen, which I think has the most merit, although I think – I'm not sure the federal government – if the Republicans got control, would they – I, I think there would be a push to to outlaw it nationally, even though the same supreme and the same supreme court that just said it's a states' rights issue will say no, the federal government can do this. You know that's that's going to be their argument. We just had this last election in Virginia, and I and we talked about this um, you know, quite a bit. The, the the thing about that Virginia election, which was really interesting, was this was one of the first cases where the new moderate Republican abortion policy was on the the the, the ballot. The new what I what, and what that means is, hey, we're only looking for a ban after 13. I think it was 13 weeks. I think it was 13 weeks, a ban after 13 weeks that but that ban also had exceptions for rape, incest, life of the mother and um for the benefit – I can't remember the exact terms – the benefit of the mother, which opened up a lot of people to say that that is a very vague statement and really didn't outlaw abortion, that a woman could make an argument that this is that, you know, for their own personal betterment that, betterment that they, would need, they should have the right to have an abortion and that there's really not much the state could do to stop it. So it was at you – know, it was a fairly – well, considering Republicans, it was it was light years away where they've been, but it was a fairly open question, which did lead to some people asking whether or not it would would it really even restrict abortion at all, and yet it failed, and it failed badly because, let's face it, the Republican Party is not trusted on this issue. And Stein has talked about this a number of times. When he's come on the show, he's talked about how you can't for 50 years scream, we're going to get rid of it. We're going to get rid of it. We're going to get rid of it. And then the minute you got rid of it, you can't say it's like, what do you mean you think we got rid of it? It was the Supreme Court. You know, we, we've never been against this. And you look kind of stupid. My first instinct to this is, oh, put it on the ballot. <laughs> because... Do you know how many dumbasses are in the Republican Party of Minnesota right now? And I say that knowing exactly what I just said. I mean brick dumb idiots that are actual seat holders in, in particularly in the Minnesota House who I can only imagine would go into a Minnesota Republican Party meeting and they would say, guys, guys, whatever you do, just just. Don't go on out there and say something that's 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 bulletin board material for the Democrats that they'll be able to use against us statewide when it comes to abortion. Only to have those same 
idiots walk out of that meeting and find the first camera and it's like, I want to make it illegal for everyone in the state again. Yay. And all of a sudden, the same Republicans putting their hands, head in their hands going, oh, my God. You, 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 they're, they're precious. They are precious. I still think the greatest thing going for the DFL in the state of Minnesota is that Republican Party. You keep electing winners there. Keep it up there. And get some microphones in front of those clown cars. Get microphones in them. And let make sure everyone's following their social media pages. They're going to say a lot of stupid things. It's going to, and thank you, because that's that's what you have to do. I mean, there's a lot of things that you just need to focus on when it comes to these elections, and what the other side is saying should be pretty much all of it, because they're cray cray. Now, that being said. Jensen does have a bit of a point because if you do enshrine this into the Constitution, it becomes even harder for them to basically undo that. And as a matter of fact, it goes the same – reminder when gay marriage was on the ballot. Well, first of all, remember when the, the they were going to outlaw gay marriage in the Constitution – and, you know, it wasn't going well. And there's like, these people think that we don't like gay people. That couldn't be the furthest from the truth. We just don't want them to have rights. You know, that sort of thing. They they can't marry who they love. So that failed miserably. And the, the same thing happened is Democrats, I remember we were on the air and Democrats were like, well, I don't know if we should push for this. What are you talking about? You just had a mandate. You just had a mandate. Go, go, go make gay marriage legal. And they did. And guess what? And every Republican, when they were debating this, said, the second I get the chance, the Republicans get back in power, we're going to pass a, a bill that basically tries to rescind this. And how many times have they done that? I mean, Matt Burke talked about it a little bit as the lieutenant governor candidate. He did look a lot like Frankenstein. I mean, he did. A red, a ginger Frankenstein. Fire bat. Anyway. They, it, it, the issue disappeared. I, I'm not going to second guess, once again, in case you haven't heard, I'm a male of the species. I can't have a kid. I do have some discussion talking points that I can have with my spouse in regards to this because we we manage a family together. And I will let my children know my opinion on things, but they are their own individuals as well. I don't have any say, and that's pretty much the end of it. That's, That's the end of my contribution to it. I don't have any right in anyone's world to go and tell someone what they should and should not do. That's just not me. I am not here to tell you what to do. We are all judged by our own actions on the planet. You go do what you're happy with and, and you know, mazel tov. All my best to you. That being said, I can understand why women would be like, no, 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 no. Make sure this is in the Constitution. Let's not play political games with this issue. Let's not, let's not screw this up. We got the chance to do this. And, yes, it might make abortion a non-issue for future elections. It will help Democrats up and down the ballot in 2024. 
It will help Democrats up and down the ballot in 2024. It absolutely will. And I will make an argument that I understand that some of the political, the people in the political machinations of the DFL might be saying, well, wait a minute here. Instead of spending money on a a constitutional amendment, why don't we basically spend money on these candidates? But I could make the counter argument to that, that if that's on the top of the ballot and you yourself are a, a, a strong supporter of that amendment, it's going to help you and it's going to bring in with inertia in the election. And that's going to happen. Because once again, one of the things we have to factor in, in here in Minnesota is that new congressional map is not a good map for the for the Republicans. It is not a good map for the Republicans. They are focusing so much of their attention right now up in the North Metro and in the very southern part of the metro to try to flip those areas and maybe a little bit out in the east. But for the most part, they are, they are only focusing. They're not even trying in a lot of districts anymore. They're just not even – they're not even putting money out there. They're not even trying. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's kind of where they're at. That being said, if you do put it on the ballot and it does pass, well – Unless the federal government tries – the Republicans get control of the federal government and try to basically outlaw it outright, it's a non-issue again. And frankly, I think a lot of Republicans are – because there are some – some people have talked about some some legal ramifications that, that, that a Republican president could have that they could basically – you know, order a an immediate stop to most abortions in the country. They say that there is actual language in in the laws that allow them to do that. If they did, that would be the Republicans' greatest dream: the ability to get abortion made illegal, but the ability to say, "Well, I didn't do it; it was Donald Trump." Oh, I, I you know, I, I wouldn't have done that. I'd say, you can't blame me, so don't vote me out. I don't think I don't think it will go well for them in twenty twenty six that way. I don't know. It, it's a complicated thing. And I'm once again, I want to make sure I say for the record, I don't have a uterus. I know. Shocker. You know, above the fold, top, top headline. Uh, I don't have a uterus. Henceforth, I'm going to basically get out of the way of, of the people that this, would, this issue, the right to choose their own health care over their own bodies, does directly affect. And if they basically say to me, Matt, I'm not want to play political games. I just want to have say I'm with you on that. But at the same time, it does – it would mean that at least in Minnesota, as good as Minnesota would be, the issue is just not there. And let's face it, the, Demo- the, the Republicans, the Republicans cannot get out of their own way on this issue Hence first, you remember that dumbass comment I mentioned earlier? Mwah! Chef's kiss. Those guys are just, they are a clown car of delight. Come on in, guys. Tell me what we're going to do next. Ha! <laughs> you do more for us than you ever imagined. But hey, you know what? Your Twitter followers think you're really cool. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Let's take a break. Come on back. The Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. You see, these far-right people, they live in a bubble and they think to themselves, you know, that, that basically that, that um, you know, that, that, that everyone agrees with them. And, and they're stunned. They're stunned to find out like, like only like 16% of the population agrees with their extremism. 
And, and so, the, you know, but they don't stop talking. And that's the best part about them. They don't stop tar- talking. And this is why Republicans across the, the country have had a lot of fits is because they used to be a much more streamlined message machine. And instead you have these, these clown cars that basically are out there like, I'm only in it for myself. It's like, okay. Keep talking. Keep talking. Heck, I'm I'm going to say there's at least a 50-50 chance they're too stupid to realize how much I'm goading them right now, and they'll respond to this. Come on. Come on. Tell me how bad the teachers are. Tell me how Tell me how, 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 how Minneapolis – no one goes to Minneapolis. It's a war zone. It's a war zone. <laughs> yeah, keep going. Come on. Come on. You want to say it. You want to say it. You want to. You want to. Who's a good little psychopath? Who's a good little psychopath? You are. You are. 952-946-6205. One little note here, and I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of getting the second hand. It sounds like I brought this up yesterday, the Farmington School District thing, where there was a sign that was basically about inclusivity in a classroom and apparently there was a, a threat to – by someone in the school district that the school district wanted them to pull the sign down and, and, and you know, that, that was – someone was kind of coordinating this attempt. And it sounds like only one parent – one parent made this complaint and someone just went on a tirade at, at farming schools. But now it's kind of come back where they're like, OK, there is no policy about something like this. And we want to be an inclusive school, so there seems to be a back and forth here. This is uh, uh, this was posted up on Twitter for Maggie Storley. I've not made any attempts to conceal my knowledge that I have regarding the matter. The uh, the mandate on the removal of the sign has come from the principal Meyer. The issue was initiated by a community member at our last official board meeting, which by policy allows the public to address the board on any issue of different rules that work in the work sessions. That member of the community sent an email to principal Meyer and the board was copied on it. And the subsequent replies, um, Meyer issued the mandate. The board was not directing any steps in that process. Now, what I think you're actually asking is whether someone else is actually putting the strings here. Is the principal being directed by someone else, perhaps an individual board member? Now, that sums up what I'm trying to find out. Responses and investigations into this is slower than usual due to uh, Mrs. Johnson's funeral. I have no idea. Um, All my best to the family there. Out of respect uh, for her, I've been tolerant of that. But by far, I truly have found any evidence that there is a puppet master in the work. I haven't found any evidence there's some sort of puppet master in the works. Now, that's – now that sums up what I'm trying to find out. Response to the investigation into this is slower than usual. Uh, excuse me, um, Puppet Master works. So I'm expecting a resolution and a final answer to which signs uh, stay within the next few days. I will move forward with formal action and protest uh, of the mandate once I know the terms of the final resolution. I have not been given hints about almost all pride symbols will be allowed. And if that's the case, then there is truly no punishment for those that choose to display them. And I'll be satisfied with the overall outcome, even if I've been disappointed in the manner it was carried out. I admire your confidence and persistence on the issue here. And once again, um, board member Maggie Storley has been named principal, uh, named principal Meyer as the one behind the mandate. 
to remove the student-created uh, inclusive signage at Farmington High School. Reportedly, when Meyer met with some educators, he threatened that failing to comply with the request to remove the sign would result in a school board pass policy to enforce the removal. So either Meyer was lying to coerce educators into removing the student-led sign or someone when the school board was pushing for this and Meyer was telling the truth. Now, that's once again, this is a source online, so yeah, there could be some – I, 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 I'll take this with a grain of salt, but it does seem to fall into exactly what happened where we talked about how the brakes got hit on this issue at Farmington, how all of a sudden this was out there. Now, as someone pointed out on – I made the post last night and I think it was on Facebook and a woman posted there. She goes, the point here is that the signs are not here to encourage people to become LGBTQIA+. But the signs are there to show those people who are LGBTQIA+, that there are safe places and acceptance out there. Because the threat to them is not them being LGBTQIA+, but the bullying, the taunting, the the societal negativity which goes after them. And I couldn't say it better. I couldn't say it better. Needless to say, sounds like this principle might – like I said, if this story is true – the principal might have some some you know, explaining to do, um, but needless to say is I, I think that a lot of people are on the lookout for this sort of thing, and you can't allow people to control – to basically be able to make feel, people feel unwelcome just because to do so, uh, to make them feel welcome – would hurt their ignorance. You can't do that. And so I'm, I'm – I mean, this Farmington story is not going away. So if the principal did do that and just kind of threaten these these educators, uh, that's uh, – yeah, you're, you're getting more press than I think you thought you were going to get on that. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Let's take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. God, Thanksgiving is early this year. We're going to have a huge Christmas season. That was one thing about uh, New Orleans that I was kind of stunned by to a point, Patrick, was the amount of Christmas decorations that are out there in New Orleans. Just it's It was, I mean, I took a lot of pictures of Christmas trees and stuff like this. They were putting them all up as, as we were there. Oh, that's uh, pretty impressive. I, uh, Somehow that doesn't surprise me, but you know I, I can't really comment on the, the cultural <laughs> aspect of it. Well, here's the one thing that's really cool. So, do you know how most places, when Christmas is done, it kind of becomes kind of a, a down season. You, you get you, you hunker down, look through the rest of winter, right? It's the complete opposite in in New Orleans because of Mardi Gras, and the Mardi Gras really starts. I, I think they said it was like the sixth of January. And that is a huge deal. And I never really thought about it that way, but it really is this, you know, kind of, it's a neat thing about that, that city is that their winter, where we are just kind of hunkered down going, oh, look at the snow outside. They are, they are basically every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday having parades. They're, they've got all sorts of celebration. There's balls. It's a huge event. Everyone has a blast with it. I, I, that that just it was kind of an odd realization. It's like, oh yeah, for you, Christmas is just the beginning of the fun season. 
For us, it's kind of the the last, you know, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, done. Yep, of course, New Year's have got the big college football game in New Orleans, too. So. Yeah, Sugar Bowl, right? Yep. Uh, that's right. At the, <laughs> was it the Smoothie King Center? I think that's what they call it now, or is it? Uh... Yeah, I think it's the Smoothie King Center. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Uh, considering how much booze throws through the, flows through the street, I guess, you know, Smoothie King, sure. All right. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Uh, so last week we, we talked uh, briefly about the Ward girls hockey coach because there were some serious allegations that were leveled at him. We were like, whoa, you know, what, what's going on here? And the thing I said at that point is this, and that's if you if you have someone accuse you of something that is just emphatically not true, you know, you're going to go on out there and you're going to do everything in your power to clear your name as quickly as possible. I've trust me, I've had I've had a few people who have said very unfortunate things and I've sent my lawyers after them and well, I deleted my account and I'm really, really sorry. OK, fine. But you know it's it's one of those things that if you're if you get accused of something and it's not true, your response is generally the people that are that are really truly innocent will smack back pretty quick. It's the people who say I'm going to sue you and sue you into oblivion. Now Trump does do does sue them, but the courts then laugh the cases out of court and they're like, they haven't done anything here. So, but going back to the Warren case. I was wondering if we would see this, and details ahoy. The Ward girls hockey coach has filed a defamation lawsuit against several parents of current and former players following public accusations made about his alleged behavior. David Marvin, who has coached the Northern Minnesota team, the city dubbed Hockey Town USA, for nearly two decades, claims that for months the parents have made baseless allegations, wild fabrications, and false statements about him, damaging his reputation according to the suit. Now, one of the things we did talk about when we first talked about this story was our experience with sports and that generally sports are you – know, it's, it's, if you get your kid into competitive sports – you got to prepare yourself for a, you know a lot of disappointment because reality is that usually the the the, the parents who are the wealthiest parents will kind of take over a lot of these sporting organizations and kind of drive it so that their kid is the one who gets the attention from a scout for gets the college scholarship that sort of thing and these parents really are Insisted. I mean, we see it. We saw it on the U.S. soccer team with uh, Gio, Gio Reyna. And the parents were all upset because you're not playing our son like he so he can be the superstar. And so they went after the coach there and tried to get him fired because they weren't playing their little baby in the position they wanted to play him in. This is something that happens across all sports We've talked about it with coach after coach who've done nothing more than continue to win, leaving a school because you're not playing little Susie with her two best friends on the line. They're the ones that are going to go to college and get the scholarship. Why are you not helping? You know, and it never crosses these parents' mind. The coach is not there to make sure kids necessarily get scholarships. They're there to try to coach a winning team. 
And if they feel as if certain players can work together in certain other positions or whatever the case may be, that's what's going to happen. But what ups- makes people upset is that, no, you're supposed to make sure my belly gets the, the scholarship. That, I'm not saying that's what's happened here. I am not saying that's what's happened here. But that is something that happens in a lot of places. And generally, when you have parents who start going after coaches or organizations, a lot of times there is there that is an element of it. Not saying it is with this one, but I'm just saying that's what we talked about before. Uh, Marvin accuses uh, Shanna and Matt Lactant, Jeff and Patty Johnson, Corrine Lindquist, and Kristen Coet of making false claims about criminal activity, sexual harassment, and abuse related to the team. Several of those parents recently distributed a letter, we talked about that when that did happen, that lays out their allegations, what they say violate school district and Minnesota State High School League policies. Some of them were interviewed on a local radio program and made social media posts. In the letter, Marvin is accused of public urination, ignoring concussion protocol, making sexual harassing comments, bullying, and drinking while supervising players at the state tournament. Um, among other things. The letter, which threatens a lawsuit if changes were not made, said the parents weren't satisfied by the school district and school board's response to their complaints. The parents want to protect all players from horrific experiences that our children have endured, as well as so many before them and the girls' hockey program, the letter writes. Excuse me, the letter reads. The lawsuit says the parents have conducted a campaign to have Marvin removed from his coaching duties. His contract was renewed by the school board after an investigation made him made into the complaints. Superintendent Sean Yates said in an interview, the school district has one complaint on record against Marvin from this year, which resulted in no discipline. District records show an assistant coach was disciplined this year and banned from staying with the team on overnight trips during this current season. She had been accused in the letter of passing out in a player's hotel room in a bed with members of the team. Now, we talked about that. That allegation, so that allegation does seem to be legit. I, you know, and and we, and by the way, we did mention as well. We didn't know if this was a male or female coach. I don't believe it did specify that the first time we talked about the the, the issue. But I would say, I, I okay, I'm going to go back and criticize the school district. How is this person on the team? That that sounds like that's that should be fireable offense right there. That should be, I mean, regardless of the rest of the stuff, I mean, if you actually have someone that that did actually happen, a coach got drunk while on a official school trip to play hockey and passed out in the player's hotel room in a bed with members of the team, well, that is, um, yeah, that shouldn't be happening. And I, I, I don't know if that's if it, I'm sure you've of course you put out this if they made it to where they can't stay in with the team for their overnight trips. I don't know if that's really going far enough. Now that's that's the one issue there. It sounds like once again that wasn't. I mean, if I remember the original story correctly, they did not specify which coach and whether the 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 the, the sex of the coach per se in that story. So there was this implication that it might indeed actually be the coach himself that this had happened with, and it doesn't sound like that is the case. But it doesn't sound like they actually resolu- there was a resolution there by any means, not and not in the least bit. Um, 
the concerns raised have already been addressed, Yates said. And while some individuals may not be satisfied are looking backwards at years past, the district is looking forward. All right. Several of the parents declined to speak for the record, but Susie Neist, whose daughter played for Marvin in recent years, said she commends their courage in speaking up. The parents listed in the lawsuit by David Marvin are salt-of-the-earth people that care about the well-being of kids. She said their individual editors come forward, have given others the strength to share their stories. But it doesn't – okay, once again, all right. There's one thing about stories. There's another thing about filing formal complaints. And at this point, you need to be filing formal complaints because it's one – I mean, it, all it is is a story that – I mean, and, and, and with all due respect, if bad things did happen here, well, the cat's out of the bag. File the formal complaints. The school is saying they only had one formal complaint against them. And that was a, that was that was addressed. What was it? The contract was renewed. The school did have one complaint against Marvin from this year, which resulted in no discipline. Now, granted, considering how light they were with the coach that passed out in the room, I don't know if that's necessarily a ringing endorsement. But at the same time, they had one complaint. If there are all these complaints, as as Neist has said, is like all these other complaints are coming on out. And speaking up, well, the cat's out of the bag. You've got to make the formal complaint. The problem is, is that if you make the formal complaint, you got to prove the complaint, or you have to throw whatever evidence you have of the complaint out there. They seem to be wanting to try to play both sides of the same coin. They want to, on one side, say all these things have happened, but on the other side of it, they don't seem to be putting forward the formal complaints. Which you know, and and maybe the problem, and I'll I'll take their side. Maybe they feel as if if they make a formal complaint. That no one's going to look into it. I, I, you know, I, I will make this argument. At this point, this is like I said, the cat's out of the bag. You got to believe Minnesota State High School League is looking into this at this point. This is not something they're going to be able to sweep under the rug. So if you've got formal complaints, you need to make them. And if you're not going to make them, you're just going to sit there and talk about how brave everyone for t- telling their story. Well, that's not going to get anything fixed. So. The parents listed in the lawsuit by David Martin are some salt of the earth people. All right. A statement from the nonprofit Ward Hockey Town gives the support to Marvin, citing false information relayed by several parents. The statement notes that we are fully support Coach Marvin and his staff. His allegations were brought forth. School administration did their due diligence and appropriate action was, appropriate action was taken. Um, in 2022, a fired Woodbury High School school's bat- girls basketball coach won his defamation lawsuits against a parent for spreading false information about him. The long-running case that ended with a settlement had previously led to a landmark ruling by the Minnesota Supreme Court in 2019 that high school coaches aren't public figures under the First Amendment, so parents aren't protected when making false claims against them. Maybe that's what they thought, that these salt-of-the-earth people thought that they could make a comment about a coach and get away with it. An attorney for Marvin did not immediately return call on Thursday morning. Marvin, who will earn about $8,200 for coaching this year, I'm sure that's it's it's worth it at this point. Uh, according to district records, coach teams that won state championships in this year and in 2022 as well as 2010 and 2011. So, okay, so I will say this. One thing that does not give me a lot of great confidence in the Warred hockey program, you had a coach get drunk and pass out in players' rooms and you did not fire them? That you say their great big punishment is they can no longer be around them then at night? I, I think that this is a person that doesn't need to be on that team anymore. That That is, you know, their poor judgment 
to where they're getting schnockered to the point of passing out is they clearly are not looking after the kids at that point. But that being said, that that's that coach. That's not the head coach. The one allegation the school district had against that coach, they said didn't really matter. Uh, I have a feeling this is going to become a, a, a soap opera here. I think we're going to have a recurring recurring segment on this one because I don't think this is going away anytime soon. It, it, does this have to do with little Susie's not getting played the way I want her to get played because she knows she's not going to get the college scholarship that she wants? I don't know. I don't know. I will say this. It, 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 there's one thing about when this woman came out to defend the par- the, the the parents that brought this all to light. It, it, when you when you sit there and you do the whole thing of salt of the earth people that care about the well-being of kids. I, you know, they should only care about their kids. I mean, don't get me wrong. It just, it's, that phrase is a little weird to me. That's, that, that seems like you're trying to, you know, how dare you question our stories? We just, we're salt of the earth people that care about the children. Yeah, I, I don't know. I have a, this is not going away. I mean, he's filed a suit, so get ready for more fun on this. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. By the way, I will mention, after we talked about that show, um, I was down in New Orleans, but I, I got you know quite a few comments from people, uh, messages and stuff, where people were telling me that that the exact same thing that I described, that that you have in these sports, you have these parents who basically from a very young age take over these programs to make sure certain kids are promoted, not the best kids per se, not the worst kids by, by any means either. But I mean, it's just, it's the, you know, that they, they basically look at the system as a way to basically highlight their kid and get them into college and get them the scholarships. Now, once again, and we talked about this, it completely sucks all the fun out of the whole thing. I mean, when you have there's these three kids and these three kids and these three kids have to play, everyone else doesn't have to play, but they still have to sucker parents into paying thousands of dollars to be part of leagues and traveling teams and all these things. So they always promise, oh, your kid will play, and then they never promise, and then they get mad at you about, you know, why are you complaining? We told you you can't complain, that sort of thing. I heard a lot of parents that 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 brought up similar situations with that. You know, it is a mixed bag. I mean – I had a lot of fun watching my kids play sports. What I did not have a lot of fun with is when my kids got older and they could see that the kids that were being played were not as good as them. And I asked the question, like, why, why do you think the coach is not playing me? And just saying, well, because certain things. You know, it's 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 not about – putting out the best team it's about basically getting a handful of kids a scholarship and that's it and i'm glad my kids seem to come out of that relatively unscathed which is somewhat in in, in I'm, I'm happy with that i mean that they're, they're good kids they came on out you know with pretty good minds on their and their in their noggins but the reality is is that, that i clearly there's a lot of parents out there that get really frustrated and and there's a lot of resentment towards us, especially when you look at these these things where we're we're required 
to spend a lot of money and time and things like this on this stuff, it's just, you know, it's not really worth it. I, and, and I do feel as if where this is eventually going is eventually the, the better players will all go on to club teams and might leave these other programs, whether that's Little League or Soccer League or, you know, Hockey League or the high school programs, might leave them alone because and, – and if that does happen, man, I, I kind of do hope it does because then kids will start having fun again. And I think that that's the important thing. 952-946-6205. I, by the way, I have made the vow that if I get enough followers – I've got 1,000 followers on Blue Sky, Mastodon – and um and and threads that I will abandon Twitter in a heartbeat. <laughs> I can't stand that cesspool anymore. I really can't. Um, the I'm looking here. Let me give it, give you an update here. One okay. So let me do Matt's math corner. I'll tell you exactly where I'm at right now. Once I get to a thousand, I get to a thousand on these other three because I've already got you know something like nine thousand on Facebook. And yeah, I've got four thousand or so on on Twitter, but you know, Twitter is just not fun anymore. It's just a depressing, disturbing place where a lot of a lot of angry people are, and I just I can't deal with it. Ooh, I'm at four fifty seven. Follow me on Twitter. Oh, excuse me, don't follow me on Twitter. Uh, follow me on Mastodon under Matt McNeil Show. There, you can go to Threads under Matt McNeil Show. You can find me there. You can find me on Blue Sky on Matt McNeil Show. I And by the way, Blue Sky is, is great. I like Blue Sky a lot. Follow me those places. When we get to 1,000 followers, I don't know. Maybe we'll have a ceremony. <laughs> the official killing of the Twitter account. You know, actually, I don't. Maybe I, I don't kill it. I just stop posting on it. I make it private and just – or not make it private. I guess just – Shut it down, and I don't comment, don't do anything there. Leave it up in case someone wants to go back and look for something. I guess I, I mean, I guess I could do that. But trust me when I say I, you know, the worst part of my day on any given day is going to Twitter. Hands down, not even close. Dear God, is it just a depressing existence on that hellscape of a social media site? So, yeah, I get a 1,000 on Threads. Uh, threads, Mastodon, and Blue Sky combined will kiss that off, throw it in the sunset. Bon voyage. We'll never go back. And I will do it with a smile on my face. So help me and follow elsewhere. Help me. Help me. Native Roots Radio is up next. Have a good one. We're back tomorrow. Till then, see ya.